This podcast is the design of City Sites Urban Media, and our goal is to bring into focus the difference between culture and God's ideas found in His Word. To learn more, go to citysitesurbanmedia.com. Have you ever wondered why God chose Israel? Why did He choose that particular piece of land and not somewhere, say, in Bolivia? I want to talk to you about a serious question that now is being challenged in church after church after church. It used to be that liberal thinkers were the guys that were trying to boycott Israel. No longer. It's now fundamentalists and evangelicals who are backing off of the support of Israel. I mean, here's this little sliver of a country, you know, that that seems to be like so unimportant, but yet everybody talks about it. It's constantly in the news. Why Israel? Why the focus on this little sliver of land in the Middle East? It has been one of our major focuses here on the program to underscore the importance of Israel, both in history and in our present day, as well as in the future. Most churches do not spend a great deal of time on Israel for many reasons, but we feel that is a big mistake. Often when we have aired programs about Israel here, we see a drop in interest and communication to this ministry. So we decided to talk about Israel today with the focus on why Israel is important to the church. Israel is more than just a history lesson. God has aligned his promises, his covenants, his word, his spirit, and the land with Israel, and that will never, ever change. The words God used in conjunction with his promises to Israel were always eternal, even when Israel rebelled against God and went their own way. Well, today, I have asked a pastor to join us and answer some of the tough questions about Israel and the church and why Israel is not that important in most churches and congregations today. Pastor Jay Christensen has decades of pastoral experience and is currently the pastor of Issachar Community Congregation in the Twin Cities. Jay, thanks for being here today. It's good to be here. And some of the questions I'm going to ask you for some of our audience is pretty standard stuff. But for a lot of them, they may be the first time hearing it. Okay. But as a pastor, what influenced you to take a strong look at Israel? And how has your theology changed as a result? What really focused me on Israel is it's always been important for me to understand the Bible. That as a child, as I began to research into the Bible more and more, I realized how much it spoke about Israel. The Bible revolves around Israel. It doesn't revolve around the church. It revolves around Israel and the church that came out of the nation of Israel and now parallels alongside of it. Israel itself is, in a sense, a nursery for the church. Out of Israel came our Messiah, and that Messiah became the head of his body. It says in the book of Romans, what? We have been grafted into Israel. It doesn't say Israel was grafted into the church. So more and more, as I began to get a more Israel-centered view of the Bible, it began to affect my theology. Well, what did God say about Israel? How does all of the history of Israel, what God says through Israel, relate to the New Testament scriptures? 
As I began to learn the culture and the history and the language, suddenly I'm getting understanding of things in the New Testament that I am not hearing from most pulpits and things that are basically saying some of the stuff from the pulpit that's being said is wrong. Also, along with all of what you just said, the Word of God is mm-hmm. really Jewish, right? I mean, it comes out of their it's culture. It's a Jewish context. Exactly. It's a Jewish book. Right. So people today, some believers, some churches, they say that, well, Jesus fulfilled the Old Testament, and now we live in a different dispensation. That is the dispensation of grace, the grace of the New Testament. I mean, how do you answer that? Well, there's a falsehood in that, and there's an assumption. When they say that Jesus fulfilled the Old Testament, they're saying or implying he did away with it. He rejected it. He negated it. He eliminated it. He replaced it. No, if you look at Jesus being the fulfillment of the law or the end of the law, that Greek word there is teleos, which means epitome. He was the epitome of the law. If you look at Jesus, in Jesus, you see the epitome of what Israel should be if they were totally devoted to God. If they did his will and walked his way, Jesus is the fulfillment of Israel. He is the fulfillment of God's word. In him, God's word finds its fullest and most perfect expression. If Jesus did away with that, Jesus would not be the fullest expression of God. He'd be an empty vessel. Jay, I want to know what happens to the church who ignores the mention of Israel in their teaching of God. Does their theology then somewhat morph away from our roots of where Christianity came out of and therefore have a tendency to reinvent itself with modern thought? Is that That, what happens? That is a great observation. A tree without roots is easily blown over. And if you take Israel and the context of Judaism out of the New Testament and because I've heard Christians say, we are New Testament Christians now, meaning we are a Gentile church and nothing related to Judaism. It's like building a house without a foundation. You're just laying the walls on the dirt. Well, what happens? That house has no stability to it. If you begin to throw away blueprints and start building the way you want to, that house begins to develop cracks because it's out of balance. It's growing in ways it was never intended to by the original designer of it. And that's what you look at in the church over the years. You see Schisms over things like baptism, schisms over communion, schisms over understanding scripture. Why? We did away with the foundation, and so we start making our own assumptions. What does this mean? How do we do communion? How do we do baptism? What does baptism mean? And suddenly we're fighting against each other. I'm convinced that if we go back to the foundations of biblical understanding, the original context, a lot of these questions will be solved. So what happens to a church? Well, at best, they lose understanding and meaning of the Bible. If Israel is the source of blessing, according to Genesis 12, 1 through 3, God said to Abraham, in you all the nations will be blessed. If we walk away or reject Israel, we're not only rejecting a blessing at best, but we're inviting a curse at worst. You know, Jay, for me, what really helped me understand Israel and the church, it wasn't when I was in seminary at all, but it was when I realized that the Bible wasn't two halves. It was not the Old and the New Testament, but it was one book basing the story on him. It was it's, his, it's his story. whole testament. Whole testament, yeah. Right. So what theological underpinnings for you that help you understand this relationship between the church and Israel? What it really comes down to is Romans 
9 through 11. Paul is talking to the Gentiles in Rome saying, by the way, guys, it's not about you. It's about the Jewish people. It's about Israel. It's about what God started. He's going to complete. So for example, Paul writes in Romans 11, you have been grafted into Israel. And I mentioned this previously. Israel has not been grafted into the church. So when you say that the church has been grafted into Israel, you now become Israel-centric. What is God doing in Israel? What he's doing through Israel? Israel is a source of blessing to the nations. Well, guess what? It's also God's prophetic milepost for history. Israel ceased to be a nation in AD 70. Israel became a nation in 1948. That is a significant prophetic signpost that we are getting near to the completion of God's plan. And then, from 1948 in 1967, Israel, the Jewish people, took Jerusalem. That's another major signpost. Now think of this. God has taken a people out of the Holocaust. He's put them into a land. He's now given them the capital city. The only thing they are lacking is their king. They're waiting for King Messiah. Really, there's no denomination that can claim that. Jesus is not returning to New York. He is not returning to Moscow, and he's certainly not going to be returning to Schenectady, okay, or the Twin Cities. He is returning to Jerusalem. God's word revolves around Israel and the Jewish people. Israel and the Jewish people are the hub of God's redemptive plan on earth. To throw that aside can put us at odds with God or on the outside of his plan. Pastor Jay, I have learned over the years how important Israel is to my theology, and I did not have Israel a part of anything as far as my theology is concerned as an adult. I've learned to add Israel in, but there is a term for people who replace Israel with the church. It's called replacement theology or supersessionism. Mm -hmm. Tell us what that is. Replacement theology is the belief or the theological basis that the church has replaced Israel. And this was created to explain the prophecies regarding Israel when Israel didn't exist. So in the early years, Israel was destroyed, and Jerusalem was destroyed, and the Jews dispersed for the most part in AD 70 by the Romans, and it was completed in the second Jewish rebellion in AD 135, the Bar Kokhba rebellion. The problem with this is, is number one, people believe that there were no Jews in the land, but there have always been Jews in the land. They just weren't allowed to live in Jerusalem during the diaspora or the dispersion of the Jews throughout the world. Number two, if there is not a physical Israel in place, how can the prophecies regarding Jesus coming back to Israel or God using Israel in the future, how can they be fulfilled if there's no Israel? So many of the church fathers had to explain it, and they did it by allegory. They said, oh, we understand God's mind. He wasn't talking about a literal Israel. He was talking about the church. Why? Because Paul says, are we not spiritual Israel? Not all who are Israel are of Israel. I think I got that paraphrased correctly. But what he's getting at is the heart of a people of God. He wasn't talking about a national Israel. Sad to say, some of the early church fathers came up with this idea of, no, the church is the new Israel because old Israel was judged. And this actually is quite bonded to anti-Semitism. 
Because those Jews killed Jesus, and Jesus is our risen Lord, then therefore the Jews are at fault. God wiped out the Jews, and now he said, ah, I'm going to plan B. There's no plan B with God. There's only a plan A. And if you read the scriptures, God said Israel will rise to be the head of the nations, and David's descendant, Jesus, will sit upon the throne in Jerusalem as David did. So many people don't understand that. So be specific with us, Pastor Jay. What do we lose when we don't have the Old Testament as a part of our understanding of the new? Okay, part of replacement theology is getting rid of those scriptures that pertain to Israel. So number one, you do lose lose Old Testament principles that undergird New Testament scriptures. You're completely cutting out the foundation, and when you do, the house collapses. If you get rid of the blueprint, you can start building the house any darn way you feel like Well, it, it leads to deception then, right? And it leads to division. So you get deception and division that is going to affect the house. Look at the church over the years. You look at the Jewish people today, and they are, yes, there are various ethnic groupings of Jews, the Sephardic Jews from the Spanish-speaking countries and the Ashkenazi Jews from Eastern Europe, right? But you look at Jews and they'll look at each other and go, you're of the tribe, aren't you? And it's like, yeah, we have our differences, but yeah, we're all the same. You look at the church today and there are fractions and factions and political infighting and, you know, do we baptize forward or backwards? Do we sprinkle? Do we immerse? Communion, is it in with and under? Is it symbolic? Is it mystical or whatever? And people have died for those stupid divisions. Well, everyone one's a heretic except me. Exactly. So the danger of replacement theology is this. We lose an accurate understanding of the Bible. Old and New Testament, and especially New Testament, if we get rid of the Old Testament. Number two, we'll lose that understanding because if we apply the church to stand in for Israel, then the prophecies of the Old Testament get really weird because it says Israel will be the head of the nations. I don't see anywhere in Scripture where it says the church will be the head of the nations. Interesting. It says Jesus is going to come back as king over Israel, David's descendant. If it's the church, does he come back to be pope, to rule from Rome? I don't see that in the Scriptures. Okay, here's another one. We lose the perspective. If Israel has been replaced by the church, then the church will just kind of go on and on and on, and we just do our thing over and over and over again. It's just kind of like this amorphous blob moving in a circle. But if we put Israel back into play as God's plan, we realize, yeah, we're kind of going through the calendar and all these things, but we're moving toward a conclusion. We're missing that goal, that end point of Jesus's return and the completion of God's plan. We also can find ourselves ignorant of God and God's plan and even find ourselves, and this is the worst, we can find ourselves even opposing God. If we are opposing his plan, we are standing against God. How many in the church today will be judged based on how they dealt with Israel? Why do I say that? What about the parable of the sheep and the goats? People said, wait a minute, that's about caring for the poor and the lost and the prisoners and yada yada. Jesus is saying, no, these, the least of these, my brothers. He's not talking about primarily the poor, the imprisoned. The He's talking about the poor, imprisoned, hungry of his people. And he says, how you deal with Israel will, in fact, influence how I deal with you. 
Well, God is also, to me, an indicator of how faithful he is by Israel, because he's faithful to her. His promises have been always held and are always true. He never reneges on those. She has reneged on him, of course. That's a great point. Think about this. Israel was wiped out, in air quotes, in AD 70 and 135. All right? That means for about the last 2,000 years, Israel has not been in existence, but suddenly in 1948, Israel becomes a nation again. Now, Jews started streaming back to Israel from the late 1800s, but suddenly Israel bursts in one day into a nation. If the church has replaced Israel, then why does the prophecy about Israel in Isaiah say, can a nation be born in a day? Israel was reborn on one day in May 1948. That is a direct fulfillment. In fact, everything about replacement theology comes crashing down as of May 1948 because Israel became a nation. Now, all of those prophecies and all of those things the church claimed doesn't belong to the church anymore. It can belong, and it does belong to Israel. The fact that Israel took Jerusalem in 1967 just proves that God's plan is moving forward. And actually, if we really want to be humble about this, the church supports Israel and should stand with Israel, even though Israel is not perfect, Israel is not saved, we still are required by virtue of our relationship to Jesus, our elder brother, the Jewish Messiah, we are obligated to stand with him and therefore with his people. I love it. I love it. I like when you get all excited. I'm getting all huffy here. (laughs) Well, you get kind of huffy on your podcast every week. We like to stir it up, just like a good spoon and a cup of coffee. So people who like your comments here this day as they are listening to the City Sites podcast, they can go somewhere else and hear you specifically. That's right. They can go to Truth Barista, T-R-U-T-H, as truth is told. Barista, B-A-R-I-S-T-A, as in coffee barista, it is truthbarista.com. And by the way, I would love to hear from you. So send me an email if you like this at the Truth Barista, all one word, at gmail.com. Love to hear from you. And I would like to add that Pastor Jay on The Truth Barista has been a podcaster with City Sites Media for well over a year and has some great teachings, great commentary on the Bible from a Hebraic, primarily a Hebraic point of view. So we're so happy that you joined us today. And by the way, as Jay mentioned, you can go to thetruthbarista.com and find all of his podcasts there, or you can go to City Sites Urban media.com and click on the client page where you can also hear those same podcasts. So again, thanks for joining us today for City Sites Podcast. Often I have been asked questions, why? Why do the nations of the earth have such a voracious hatred toward the Jew? And when you think about it, the greatest scholars in history are Jews. The scientists that have brought about the healing of medicine for the nations have been the Jews. Some of the most beautiful music that has elevated the soul, the art, the culture have come from the Jew wherever they've gone, from Persia to Russia, parts of Europe and America. So why would they be hunted down? Why would they be persecuted? And I think the key, notwithstanding the literal thousands of books that the Jews have written on the subject of anti-Semitism since World War II, I think the root cause is supernatural. Thanks for listening. For more information, go to citysitesurbanmedia.com.